is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, and it is Wednesday, June 9th. I tell you what, I've been getting a lot of questions about this here podcast of mine. And you might have noticed there haven't been a ton of episodes recently. And uh, I've been getting questions about that on social media. A couple people have even asked me if The Rant is done. No, uh, it is not. There was a reason for everything, and maybe if you were paying attention last week, you may have seen that the Sawdust Podcast Network, which Grant is a part of, uh, actually entered into an agreement with SiriusXM, where SiriusXM and, and us are partnered up now. Uh, you, the podcast, you still obviously you are getting it wherever you're getting it. But Sirius owns Pandora, owns Stitcher, and uh, we're going to be priority there. Um, but again, wherever you get your podcast, you will still get this show. Nothing changes there, but that was sort of what helped things up. So here we are, and it is June. And now we are a month out from fantasy football draft season starting, not in full swing. Starts in July, full swing in August. And now we're going to ramp things up. And you can expect more episodes of The Rant each week. And we'll build up and we'll get to the point there where once we hit July, uh, we are five episodes a week. So good stuff coming up here. Uh, exciting times indeed. And really happy about this partnership with SiriusXM. As you may probably know, I also work for them. So it's just a, it, it's a perfect marriage uh, indeed. So anyway, before I start blabbing on too much, I want to dive into today's team preview. That, of course, being the Baltimore Ravens which is a fascinating team. It is going to be the most run-heavy team in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. In fact, uh, right now I'm projecting them at 548 rushing attempts and only 485 passing attempts. And what is so interesting about them is that, yes, Lamar Jackson is going to run a ton, but it's a lot of design runs too. It's not like he's just out there scrambling, running for his life. A lot of design runs. There are certain teams where if you simply look at run pass rates, you're going to be misled because the traditional way of looking at run pass rates is to say, okay, passing attempts and rushing attempts. But the problem is a scramble is technically a passing play. It was a designed passing play, so it doesn't tell you true run pass rates unless you're actually looking at scrambles. So anyway, that aside, they're going to run the ball a lot. (laughs) That's the key. And while we may never see a, a hyper-efficient touchdown season, passing touchdown season like we saw out of Lamar Jackson in 2019, we may never see that again out of him. He's still pretty freaking good. It just goes to show you, last year was a prime example of don't draft a quarterback early in one quarterback reject leagues. Prime example. Yeah, you know, I ran into this guy, a friend of a friend, but you know, knows me enough and now knows what I do. So every time I run into him, we do have a little chat about football. And I ran into him in like late August of last year. And uh he said, you know, he was all excited. Uh he's like, Yeah, I drafted Lamar Jackson in the second round. And I was like, Ooh. And I, I always have to watch myself because I don't want to like hurt people's feelings, but I could tell he was like thrown off, and I was like, he he went McCaffrey, then Lamar. And I was like, well, at least you have McCaffrey. And of course, McCaffrey gets hurt and plays three games. I didn't know it at the time, but I was like trying to like not hurt this dude's feelings. It wouldn't be nice, but I'm like, Ugh. drafting a quarterback early rarely works out well. And I know there's going to be somebody who wants to hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Radcliffe and tell me how wrong I am. 
But the value cost at the position in a one-quarterback league, I don't care who it is, is just too high to justify taking that player because anything could happen. It could be the player gets hurt. Yeah, you don't like that. Or it could be just simple regression. And by the way, when it comes to regression, that's a word that is so misunderstood. The opposite of regress is not progress. You're thinking maybe of like reversion or something along those lines, if that's what you're thinking. Regress just means move to the average, move to the mean. Lamar Jackson's touchdown efficiency was way too high, so he moved back to the mean last year, and actually it was pretty spot on. So overall, it was a season at relative expectation. He comes with a high floor because he's going to run the heck out of the football, but the ceiling, yes, it's high, but it, it, it came down last year. Still not a terrible, he was a top 10 fantasy quarterback, he just obviously wasn't worth a second round pick. There never is a quarterback who's worth that, you know, on my watch. I still love Lamar, though, and he's going to run the ball a whole heck of a lot, and I have him sliding in as uh, the number five quarterback right now in projections. 3,361 passing yards, 25 scores. I have him rushing for almost 900 yards, and that's conservative. Remember, projections are averages. They're not, this is precisely what I expect to happen. It's not robotic, like, this is what's going to happen. No, not that. So I have him like just under 900 yards, six touchdowns. Maybe he exceeds that. That's pretty solid, though. <laughs> it's still like historically good. So anyway, I like him. Maybe you get him at half a value, but I think that he's going to be kind of that trendy. Oh, you get Lamar at a value this year, guys. So you're not going to get him at a value. But anyway, I think the bigger part about Lamar, because I think we're all in a in a relatively level-headed place with Lamar Jackson right now in terms of his fantasy value, but the presence of Lamar really needs to be factored into how we evaluate J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins is that dude this year. He is the uh, the it guy, the sexy pick, dare I say. And I, I like J.K. Dobbins a lot. From a football standpoint, I know people are going to listen to my takes on J.K. Dobbins for fantasy, and I'm going to get people tweeting me saying, well, I know you don't like J.K. Dobbins. No, 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 no. I freaking love the dude. But here's the problem for fantasy purposes. If you think J.K. Dobbins can be a top 12 guy this year, an RB1 this year, in order for him to do that, he's going to have to be off the charts efficient from a touchdown standpoint. Not saying he can't do that, but the numbers would suggest that it's not the most likely outcome. Why? First and foremost, he has a quarterback on his team who's going to carry the ball 150 times. That takes some meat off the bone. They also have Gus Edwards, and whether we like it or not, the Ravens are going to use Gus Edwards. I have Edwards projected at 134 carries. Handful of carries to Justice Hill. Maybe Patrick Ricard gets like a dozen on the season. But but still, that's... With as many rushing attempts as I'm projecting for this team, still leaves 181 carries for J.K. Dobbins. Not even hitting the 200 mark. Now, there's a lot of rumblings that he's going to be used more in the passing game, but here's the problem. Used more in the passing game in the least pass-happy offense in the league. So how much meets on the bone there? 
Right now, I have him well, you know, ahead of of Gus Edwards in targets. I have him at forty targets. Gus Edwards at fifteen, but still, that's 30, 31 catches. So we're talking barely cracking two hundred touches. If we think he's going to be a top twelve guy, barely cracking two hundred touches, he's going to have to be super efficient. He's going to have to score like fifteen touchdowns. He's going to have to have a Mark Ingram 2019 season, which was an outlier season for sure. So I think, I suspect, J.K. Dobbins is going to be slightly overdrafted. And again, it's not that I don't like him. I, I love him, man, as a player. I love watching him play. But I'm also very aware of the situation and very aware that there's a cap on his overall fantasy outlook. And that cap is being selectively ignored. And that's fine. Let people ignore it. But if you draft him, just know what you're getting yourself into. All right, so we're going to hit up the receivers in just a minute. But before that, got a word from our sponsors. All right, and we are back. Uh, and yes, this team is an interesting team at wide receiver. You know, forget about the running back stuff. They drafted again two more wideouts this year. Of course, they bring in Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace. Uh, I don't think there's much here for Tylen Wallace. I'm not going to really talk about him. But you have Marquise Brown at the top. Here's what we know about Marquise Brown. He is not suited to be a number one receiver. Marquise Brown gives you a, a, a dynamic playmaker, a field stretcher. Uh, maybe at his ceiling, a Deshaun Jackson type of player. I don't mind that. I think that's that's a good thing, but they did need somebody who could possibly eat up more targets, and that's where I think Bateman comes into play. It may not crystallize early in the season, but Bateman's got Keenan Allen to his game. He can be a short and intermediate, lower dot receiver who eventually, at some point, even in an offense that's conservative with passing, could be a hundred target plus, you know, a triple digit target guy. Not this year though. I do have Brown still leading in targets, ninety four targets for him, seventy six for Bateman, and then Sammy Watkins. Are we really gonna buy that? <laughs> Haven't we been down that road before? So I have Sammy at thirty nine targets. I'm not very bullish on him. The leader in targets actually Mark Andrews, and I'll get to him in a minute with one hundred and six, but. Marquise Brown, that sort of workload with his boomer bust profile, I mean, he's a back-end wide receiver for projecting out at 48. It's volatile. Like, best ball, sure. No problem all day long. But it's really volatile for season-long purposes, and I know that people are going to draft him based on the name. But, they're, I mean, it's not like you're going to overpay for him. It's just, I don't know, that, that profile from me... Not typically the type of guy I go after. Sure, any given week, four or five catches, buck 60, two touchdowns, but then the next week, four catches for 34 yards, you know, something along those lines. He's not going to, you know, be that heavily, uh, or not that consistent. Bateman, I don't think is really going to do much in the first half of the season, but he could come on in the second half of the season for sure. Just, uh, you know, Make sure we're tempering expectations. I really like Bateman for dynasty purposes, though. I think he has such a quality play, player that there is some appeal there uh, to him. So if I'm in a rookie draft, like in the PFF OG Dynasty League, he did go in the first round there. Um, actually went before somebody like Elijah Moore, who I actually have ranked ahead of him. But it just shows you where people are valuing him. 
Not a bad addition for Lamar. Gives them a weapon they did not have. And then Sammy Watkins again. If Sammy Watkins gets hurt, Miles Boykin's likely the next guy up. Devin Duvernay will be sort of your like reserve slot guy because you figure Bateman plays a lot in the slot. And then Tylen Wallace, if he makes the team, he's just the deep name. It's a shame because I really do like Tylen Wallace as a player. I don't like the landing spot, and I don't like how buried he is, unfortunately. Now, Mark Andrews getting over to him. I think pre-Julio Jones trade, which obviously I haven't talked about on this podcast the last time you heard from me, Julio was still on the Atlanta Falcons. But, you know, very quick, I'm not previewing them, but very quick overview here. That trade... The biggest beneficiaries of that trade, I think Ryan Tannehill moves up a tiny little bit, but it's not the biggest beneficiary. Really, it's Calvin Ridley and it's Kyle Pitts. Previous to that trade, I had Mark Andrews at four among tight ends. I do now have Kyle Pitts there. But Mark Andrews at five, 100 plus targets. He could threaten for 70 catches, maybe even go over 70 catches, over 800 yards, six, seven, eight, nine touchdowns. You know, all of that is great. It's just as we saw last year, the touchdown productivity, if that goes away, if Lamar is not particularly efficient, then Andrews is really, he's not a three for 32 guy, but he's like a four for 44 guy, you know, eight, eight and a half PPR points. It's not that sexy. So he's got to get in the end zone because this, this offense simply doesn't pass the ball enough you know, to sustain consistent value there. So there you are. But I, I'm not going to shy away from them, of course, if he's the right price. But he did slide behind Kyle Pitts, who should see a buttload of targets with Julio out of there. That's a technical term, buttload. Quantify that, baby. All right, so up next on the list here, Buffalo. So we'll talk some Josh Allen. Do we really have to talk about that backfield? Stefan Diggs. It's going to be fun. I like Buffalo. Hey, hey, hey. And do me a favor, in the meantime, make sure you're checking out uh, the rest of the podcasts on the Sawdust Podcast Network, including Fade the Noise with Brad Evans and Nate Lundy. If you want to get your gambling fix in there, go check that thing out. Remember that you can follow along with yours truly on social media. I'm at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram, and make sure you use that hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener to the show. You can also check out all my written content, rankings, projections, all that fun stuff over at ftnfantasy.com. Check out all the goods. We're almost in fantasy draft season, baby. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side very soon for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Radcliffe, and I'm out of here.